Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 335, Eating for Your Cycle. In today's episode, we are going to unpack the phases of a woman's menstrual cycle and how the fluctuations can impact metabolism, hunger, energy, mood. And we'll talk about how you can adjust your diet, your exercise, and your supplementation to support best outcomes during all of these different phases. Yes, we have talked about the phases of the menstrual cycle in past episodes. Uh, One that comes to mind was on period drama and updates on birth control. And we've also talked about the luteal phase of a woman's menstrual cycle in constructs of carb cycling and changes in blood sugar metabolism. So I'll also link uh, that episode way back on carb cycling, connecting that to women's hormones. But today's episode is a great way to really understand how to harness the changes in your body to understand when is the best time to level up your exercise or maybe do more aggressive fasting. Whereas when does it make sense to add in an extra nutrient-dense snack and maybe take it easy and take an Epsom salt bath? Totally. I think just giving yourself permission sometimes to chill out and not go so hard um, when your body's asking for it. Yeah, I think a lot of this will resonate today and make a lot of connections of aha. And if not, it gives you information to really tap in and try to pause and understand how you're feeling during your cycle to see if these fluctuations and changes are really occurring in your body as well. Totally. Okay, before we get into all that, let's talk about our Wellness in Wimberley workshop. Yes, super excited to share that we are still in the early bird sales for our Wellness in Wimberley workshop. This is a two-day food as medicine focused workshop where we'll focus on optimal eating with an anti-inflammatory diet. We'll dig into the role of blood sugar balance, how stress impacts metabolism, and then how you can use diet, supplements, and lifestyle changes to take your health to the next level. So wellness in Wimberley is not just for women. This is something that you could bring your spouse to, you could bring a coworker, your bestie, or travel alone. We're going to be providing you guidance on accommodations, but you'll get to book wherever you want to stay. So you could stay up in Austin, which is about 45 to 50 minutes away, or you could stay in my sweet little town of Wimberley. There are yurts available. There are, of course, different fun Airbnbs overlooking valley views, some fun bed and breakfast options, and when you book and pay for your tickets, you will get a custom guide from me on all of my favorite recommendations, including day trips, shopping, and hiking trails, etc. We have set up this 
trip to allow you to give you that flexibility, but also to have a good deep dive of food as medicine and functional medicine information. So on Saturday, I'll be doing a lecture. We'll be doing an interactive breakout, and then we'll wrap that up with an Ask Us Anything Q&A style open format with Becky and myself. And on Saturday, I will be offering a lunch catered by my Naturally Nourished Market with some of my most popular food as medicine recipes. And then on Sunday, it's going to be a two and a half hour cooking class in an intimate dining experience. You'll try four different courses that we make. We'll shoot troubleshoot bone broth and talk about searing protein, working with pasture-raised proteins, the importance of different cooking fats, and as well as even some tips on meal plan prep and weekly flow. So tons coming for you. Again, this is kind of going to be an open format about 11 to 2 or 2.30 on both Saturday and Sunday. And then each day we'll have an option for add-on of morning movement. Each day we'll also have an option of hanging out at my market for a healthy hour where we'll discount natural wines and snacks. And then on Sunday, make sure you travel up to Wimberley with your cooler uh, because at that time we're going to allow VIP exclusive shopping at my Naturally Nourished Market where you can use my bone broth-based soups as ice packs, uh, get our peeler grass-fed, grass-finished Wagyu steaks, uh, purchase any of our food as medicine prepared items like my raw walnut fudge, mangoes and fuego nut balls, so much fun stuff to grab. I know a lot of you have been watching the Instagram over there and wanting to check it out. This is a great way to do that and also a great way to hang out with Becky and I in a pretty intimate environment. We're capping this at 50 spots and they're already flying out. So go on over to AllieMillerRD.com and check out our wellness in Wimberley. It is $375 for the two-day pass, uh, but right now, if you're listening to this timely, we're offering uh, a discount, and it's only $350 for the next coming week. Yes, that discount will go until March 17th, at which point the price will go up, and you don't need a special coupon code. You can just go on over to the website. It's already discounted on there, so we really hope to see you guys there. We're so excited. Awesome. All right. Quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Wild Foods. Wild Foods is a company that puts quality, sustainability, and health first in all of their products. They have everything from coffee to turmeric to medicinal mushrooms and tea, and every single product is going to be painstakingly sourced from small farms around the globe. They take their mission seriously to fix the broken food system and believe, like we do, that real food is medicine. We absolutely love wild foods. And let's talk about maybe a few products that we use in our households. Sure. So the Cocotropics is a great option of a nootropic that's high antioxidant, anti-inflammatory blend with no additives or fillers, as well as no non-caloric sweeteners, which you know I'm happy to see that. So this is a blend of wild cacao with reishi and chaga mushroom, as well as maca and wild turmeric. So maca is a Peruvian root that can actually support the pituitary gland. And when we're talking in this concept of eating for your cycle and regulating hormone in the body, the pituitary gland is the gland that makes that follicular stimulating hormone and your luteinizing hormone. And so as we talk about the different phases of your menstrual cycle, this would be a really powerful player to bring in to maintain good vigor, libido, and also support healthy sex hormone production and balance throughout your cycle. Um, we also will allude to the fact that, you know, chocolate and magnesium are a great thing to have around your menstrual cycle. Um, so that would be something I would definitely add to your cart. I would also check out their uh, mock 
matcha. Uh, their matcha is the one that I use in my household. That's stone ground, organic, ceremonial grade tea leaves. Uh, really beautiful, vibrant, rich green color without too grassy of a flavor profile. I love to whip this up with full fat coconut milk and then even pinch in some of their wild harvested vanilla bean to get that emulation of sweet and warmness without creating a carbohydrate or blood sugar impact. And then uh, beyond their wild matcha, I love all of their tea blends. So they have various tea blends from their Thai G, which is a caffeine-free green rooibos with ginger, lemongrass, and lime. Really fabulous everyday tea, especially to do iced as we get into the warmer months here. I love their coconut chai, even though we're moving out of kind of those warming winter months. Um, and I have really enjoyed even their elderberry uh, superberry blend as a good tannic option when I'm not drinking wine and I still want kind of that tart antioxidant resveratrol boost. So over at wildfoods.co, you can use the coupon Allie Miller RD. Again, that's wildfoods.co, not .com. And use Allie Miller RD. That's going to give you 12% off your order and provide you with free shipping. So if you believe in real food and real ingredients and want to boost up your food as medicine pantry, go on over to wildfoods.co. Use Allie Miller RD at checkout. All right, let's do it. So kicking off, if we're talking eating based on your cycle, I think we need to unpack the stages of our menstrual cycle. Like everybody knows when the period comes, but yeah. let's talk about what else is happening throughout those other stages. Yeah, so your period or your menstruation, the active bleeding, is where we denote day one of your menstrual cycle. And so that first day of bleeding would be day one. And that phase can last anywhere from about three to six or seven days. That is followed by our follicular phase. Then that is followed by ovulation, which is really just a snapshot in time, 12 to 24 hours. And then luteal phase, which is the longest phase that leads up before that menstrual phase occurs again. Okay, so let's go ahead and go through each one of these phases now. Um, and just dig into right away areas of focus. So starting with your menstrual cycle. Yes. So starting right away with your menstrual cycle, it's important to question or, or look at the action that occurs with menstruation. And, um, you know, what we often will ask like in an initial consult or as we're working with women for hormone balance is, okay, when your period starts, does it start as a bright red rich blood or does it start rust spotting for a day and then become heavier rich red blood often when we see more of a rust color discharge or a lighter output kind of taking a day for those wheels to kind of grind if you will is just what I envision of that that uterine lining breaking down um, that shedding of the uterine lining if starting slowly and if starting more in a brown rust often is going to be associated with low progesterone levels. So that's something already that you can start to watch for when you're looking at your menstrual cycle. That first day of your period, are you starting kind of with the faucet running and getting some true red blood? Or does it take a day or so to kind of turn on? Um, and that would be, again, an assessment of progesterone because it's actually the plunge of progesterone or that dynamic drop of progesterone that signals our uterine lining to shed. Um, and then when the uterine lining is shedding, this is going to require a higher amount of inflammatory chemicals. So we'll see a higher release of prostaglandins, of um, different various uh, interleukins, etc. These chemical inflammatory compounds 
that actually have to be released to break down that uterine tissue lining. Um, this can cause cramping and pain. We can also see loose stool often maybe a day prior or early prior on the day of menstruating because the colon is so intimately connected to that uterine tissue that when there's more of that chemical inflammatory cascade, that can also create more water or loosening in the bowels. Sure. Um, and so, you know, this is the time, this first couple of days, we're probably the most symptomatic leading into our cycle and then on our cycle, mm-hmm. um, where you may want to take it a little bit easier. You really want to um, lean into more like pain management techniques and just do less, generally speaking. Yes. You know, the first day of your menstrual cycle is actually when both hormones should be quite low, both your progesterone and estrogen, and energy levels are going to be low. And then like you said, you might be dealing with some discomfort, some cramping, might be dealing with a little bit of inflammation in other areas of your body, especially if you have endometriosis. You might have really aching legs or hips. Um, You might have also a headache or a migraine during this time if susceptible to hormone fluctuation-based migraines. So the first thing that I think of as far as supporting this phase is uh, anti-inflammatory support. I also dig into blood builders and nutrients that are going to help to replenish the iron and B vitamins, et cetera, that were lost through the blood loss. And then we also think of supporting with magnesium to offset the mechanisms of cramping. Okay, so for anti-inflammatory support, um, we think of kind of pulsing up on some of our baseline, maybe anti-inflammatory supplements that we're taking anyway, and then in this phase, we're going to go up on dosage of those. Yes. So often, actually, if you know you have a painful period, and again, we will link that episode back. I think that was about a year ago Mm -hmm. on painful periods and updates with birth control. We're always going to recommend if you can anticipate and you're tracking your cycle, and I would recommend that for all listening as well. Um, I am still using the Kindara app. I'm just kind of a creature of habit. I've been using it since 2014, Um, and I'll link that. There might be better ones out there. Um, But, you know, this does allow you to to track uh, even ovulation and um, mucus, discharge, output, breast tenderness, uh, variance between spotting and heavy menstrual cycle. And if you are tracking your cycle and you're cycling at around 26 to 28 days, you would want to up these anti-inflammatory supplements from your baseline, ideally about three days prior to the start of your period. And so the supplements that I think of, for instance, as daily tools for many women are, of course, our EPA DHA Extra, the omega-3 fatty acid supplement. And most women listening might be taking two a day as their baseline amount, maybe two or three. And then if if they had a cardiovascular risk factor, they might be taking four. Um, But generally, we kind of double down about three three days prior to cycle. So if you're used to taking two a day um, and you're cycling about 28 days in length, at day 25, you're going to start taking four a day. And that's going to also ensure that when that surge of those pro-inflammatory chemicals are released, that they are not as significant. Um, Also, we know that omega-3 fatty acids can prevent blood clot, which is important. And if you're someone that even deals with breast tenderness, you might see a little bit less of that when you bring up these anti 
anti-inflammatory players. And then like for me, super turmeric is one that I only bring in at times of pain. That's not one of my daily regimen. I do inflamazyme and EPA DHA extra as my baselines. Um, but super turmeric I bring in also about three days prior to my cycle at one twice daily. And then day one of my cycle, I double down and go up to four on that one. And then inflamazyme I'm always taking as a base. Um, that one's the proteolytic enzyme and botanical blend. Inflamazyme is the one that I take at a base of four, two at rise two at bed but then as I'm getting into my menstrual cycle I'm going to take six and then eight starting at uh, that day one so there could even be this kind of titration if you will of leading in and doubling down and then maybe even tripling or bringing in a formula and then doubling it as you get close to that you know three day prior and then active menstrual cycle yes and that's where really tracking your cycle and tracking your symptoms along with that is really important Um, let's just real quick distinguish um, you mentioned the proteolytic enzymes what they do um, mm-hmm. versus the super turmeric. So we get this question all the time. Of yeah. like, I see you have two formulas <clears throat> with turmeric. Which one should I be taking? And I think you're more of a daily super turmeric pe- person than me. I and, used to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, I stopped it when I was pregnant and I probably haven't like, I haven't put it back in my like daily um, regimen. I used a ton postpartum, but um, it's just kind of sitting there waiting for me. <laughs> Uh, but inflammasyme, I would say I'm, I'm doing more because I'm doing a lot more um, like exercise and heavy lifting. So I okay. kind of oscillate, I would say, okay. between the two of those. Yeah. And I always leaned into inflammasyme more because those proteolytic enzymes can help with uterine tissue lining thickening. Uh, and so when we're, especially we did that whole episode on adenomyosis and uh, uterine health, which we can link as well in the show notes. And so if you're someone that has dealt with uterine fibroids or you know that your uterine wall has been noted as thicker, um, if you're in um, age 35 plus and you're looking for future fertility, definitely the inflammazyme would be one that you'd want to keep in the mix because it's going to support supple uterine tissue and allow healthy implantation of a fertilized egg. And then when we're talking about during time of active menstruation, the inflammazyme, also I mentioned with the EPA DHA extra, um, is also going to reduce blood clotting. And so especially for someone who maybe had menstrual changes post-viral infection or injection and you've been seeing heavier, thicker tissue output or blood clots um, or more mucus in your menstrual flow, inflammazyme would be the go-to there because that's going to help to break down that tissue buildup in the body. Whereas super turmeric, I really consider more like a natural aleve or like an NSAID alternative. Um, Super turmeric could be absolutely a daily use. And uh, honestly, most people over age 40 require it as a daily use so that they don't have their cricks and their aches Mm -hmm. and just generalized yuck in their system. Um, And so if you're feeling just like, oh, this is general aging and it's annoying. I don't feel well in my body. I feel just generally yucky and kind of tender tissue or achy joints. That's where that daily use of that super turmeric could be very beneficial. Yes, you're convincing me to bring it back because I think I am a little more creaky. <laughs> I know. I'm like, years. I feel like you always were. Like, I don't think that should be sitting on your countertop, yeah. sister. Uh, yeah, as I was driving here this morning, I'm like, what did I do to my fingers, my hand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then let's talk diet for anti-inflammatory. So, of course, we would kind of use those two featured ingredients of our omega-3 fatty uh, acids in our wild-caught fish. So 
Um, trying to get wild caught fish two to three times a week is always a continued mantra of repeat that we're recommending. Um, so maybe that's a great thing to try to have on like day 27 if you're cycling around 28 days um, or have like our nori wrapped uh, tu- um, nori wrapped salmon roll-ups or our Mediterranean tuna salad on day two of your menstrual cycle. If day one you don't want to cook, that's reasonable. Uh, we also would look at incorporating turmeric in the diet. So doing like our turmeric roasted cashews or turmeric roasted cauliflower, that whole head cauliflower roast would be fabulous and that's also going to help especially if you bring that in well I don't want to jump into the luteal phase but right prior to your menstrual cycle is when we get a surge of estrogen and that's where we get that like breast tenderness and so if you're those types of individuals then bringing up some cruciferous towards the tail end of the cycle will help to regulate the inflammation but also will help with that estrogen surge and reduce some of that breast tenderness potentially or like that fibrocystic breast activity. Okay. Um, so that's the anti-inflammatory piece. And then we want to talk about blood builders because obviously you're losing blood with your cycle. Yes. Um, so we need to, you know, replenish iron. Yeah. So, you know, when we're talking about choosing your multi, we'll often say a menstruating woman should be on the multi-defense with iron and then men or non-menstruating women should be on just straight up multi-defense. And then, you know, we'll even say further, multi-avail mama would be a great option if you are considering or trying to conceive as well as if you are pregnant of course that's the prenatal and then even during breastfeeding and if you feel like you're not done having children even in the interim year or years between children it would be good to stay on top of that multi-avail mama and then even as we talked about last week when we were talking about hair health even if you are menopausal or perimenopausal and you know that you have no goals of childbearing but you need more nutrients, the multi-avail mama mm-hmm. could absolutely be appropriate still, especially if you know you have low ferritin or low iron. Sure, totally. But it is significantly higher in iron than almost by 10 milligrams, 9 milligram difference in iron than our multi-defense with iron. So just kind of considering that. And it is a chelated iron, so we do not get reports of constipation with use of the form of iron in our multi-defense with iron or our multi-avail mama. Um, but that would be the key is that you're taking taking a multivitamin with methylated B vitamins and iron in a biological chelated form to rebuild that iron that's lost through the blood. And then we think of red meat, you know, so steak would be great on that day one or a grass-fed burger would be fabulous. Sipping on nettle tea would be really lovely. Um, This would be a great way also to have some antihistamine support, um, but get that good blood building benefit. Yes. Um, love nettles. I use them throughout my pregnancy with Mabel, um, not so much with Noah, and I was never iron deficient. And I swear it helped with like the fluid retention piece too, Ooh, yeah. which is yeah. always nice. <laughs> love it. And then for magnesium boost, we think of in our supplement world, relax and regulate. So taking an extra scoop, likely maybe a couple days again leading up prior, and then especially on days one, two, and three. And then this is where we'd want to use magnesium transdermally or through the skin in an Epsom salt bath would be fabulous during this time. Um, There's even now, like um, through Santa Cruz Medicinals, we've talked about their CBD Epsom salt blend. So that would give you that cannabidiol as well as Epsom salt. And I've done that on day one of a cycle when I've had gnarly cramps. That's really fabulous. And you're kind of mimicking then that combination of like a heating pad Mm -hmm. (laughs) with your hot bath. And then you're getting that magnesium absorption into that area. 
Um, and I guess on that vein, I will mention also for those that have really severe menstrual cycles, there are also um, CBD suppositories mm-hmm. that can yeah, yeah. be used. Um, the Foria so, brand. Mm-hmm, the Foria brand of uh, the CBD suppository. And that could be used um, even preceding the cycle, like on that day 27. Um, because sometimes, you know, less is more as far as putting things up there on that first day of sure. output. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've seen that to be really helpful for individuals that have quite severe period cramping. And then magnesium in the diet, we would really think of trying to get in our leafy greens, nuts and seeds. And that's where maybe we would even get that like cocotropics with the cacao. All right, let's move on from menstruation. Obviously, a lot happening there. And then um, episode is 232, period drama and birth control updates, where we give a lot more strategy. If you are someone with a painful period, getting into the why and some more focused assessment of hormones, perhaps, um, and, and even working, you know, detox pathways and whatnot. Yeah, and we give you a true protocol of like, this is what to do. So I think we kind of walked you through it, but that might be an organized fashion in that episode. Yes. All right, let's talk about what comes next. So next is your follicular stage. Let's cover what's actually happening and then what hormone shifts are, are impacting how you feel. Yeah, so this phase gets its name from your FSH hormone, the follicular stimulating hormone, again, made by the pituitary in the brain. And this hormone is going to stimulate the follicles in your ovaries to mature, to prime egg release for ovulation. During your follicular stage, um, testosterone is going to stimulate your libido and estrogen is going to help you feel more extroverted and also work to suppress your appetite in that combination with a rise of testosterone. So you'll have relatively higher estrogen and lower progesterone during this follicular stage. This is a time often when people will be like, hey, when should I intermittent fast? Or I'm looking to do a 10-day detox. This is the time to kind of like take on the world. Um, Your basal metabolic rate is going to be at its lowest point, roughly one week before ovulation. Um, And so that's kind of right after your menstrual cycle or that bleeding ends. And we get into this follicular stage. At this time, you're burning the least amount of calories. So this would be the time that you'd want to also take in the least amount of calories, which means time-restricted eating, a bone broth fast, all of these could be more appropriate during this time and it should feel more natural to do that. Same as the world of exercise, this would be a time where you should have good vigor with that testosterone surge and this would be a time where you'd maybe want to go a little bit more aggressive in high-intensity exercise um, and really just kind of pick up the pace, especially if you have weight loss goals. Totally. Um, so yeah, more fasting, caloric restriction, um, or maybe a time to do a detox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think absolutely. Okay. Um, and also then, you know, taking on new tasks, I think um, this would be the time to do more of your like creative output yeah. or tackle a big, you know, project that requires like a lot of mental and maybe even physical energy. Um, cleaning out closets is yeah. a great thing to do during this time yeah. um, or taking on something big. Yeah. So I think of maybe in the world of supplements for this phase, detox packs would be a fabulous add-in, even if you aren't doing the true 10-day detox. If you are going to do some form of fasting, especially like a bone broth fast, why not level it up and really turn those wheels of detoxification to support metabolic health, 
liver health, and then maybe get you deeper into ketosis during this time. And then I also think of supplementation, the world of adaptogen boost to just kind of take things next level because we already have this natural vigor and surge. So let's make those commitments. Let's take those leaps and let's use that adaptogen boost for fortitude and to aid in stamina while we're kind of leveling up. Okay. Awesome. Um, And then following our follicular follicular stage, excuse me, um, it's going to be ovulation. So this is really kind of just a blip on the radar. Mm -hmm. It's not like a full on stage. Um, Let's talk about what happens during ovulation and how this is going to impact mood, hormones, energy, and if we need to really do anything different. Yeah. So ovulation um, is when the egg is actually released and the egg will live anywhere between 12 to 24 hours. Uh, the ovulation time would be this peak of libido. Um, and often at this time, we might see egg white discharge or ovarian cramping as far as action in the uterine area. Our luteinizing hormone is the signal that um, is going to rise during ovulation along with estrogen. In fact, there's many like ovulation urine strips out there that will look at actually not just your LH hormone, but your LH and your estradiol to be a more um, true indicator of ovulation. And um, we'll see this occur when there's that release of the egg from the ovaries into the fallopian tube. And that's where that egg would meet sperm if they are to visit during that time to be fertilized. And then that fertilized egg would start to be implanted following ovulation. Again, that egg is going to live anywhere between 12 to 24 hours. And so as we talk about the natural aging process, Um, This is where in next week's episode, we're going to talk about fertility and the roles of keto and even some supplementation strategy. But we think of like CoQ10 for sure, um, our CoQ10 complex and our cellular antioxidants as two key players, um, be that they are powerful antioxidants, that these would protect the oocyte or the egg so that it is less, uh, it's going to be more viable, more lively, if you will, and less prone towards death or oxidative stress. So bringing in high antioxidant is something that we're even now seeing in the world of IVF and fertility treatment. Um, Even these allopathic conventional minded individuals are starting to acknowledge the importance of high antioxidants in both egg retrieval and um, as well as the whole process of early stages of pregnancy. Yes, I'm always super happy when I see a protocol from an IVF specialist that has CoQ10 at least on it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, okay, I can I can work with this. <laughs> yeah, and let's also kind of hit on anovulatory function. Sure. So many women may be having a menstrual cycle but may not mm-hmm. be ovulating at all. Um, and so, you know, if you're not getting any of that egg white discharge, if you're not noticing a rev up in your libido um, that's something to probably tap into and see what's going on so even if not trying to get pregnant you might get some of those LH and estradiol strips to see if you truly have ovulated Um, also when we connect this story of influencing factors to a healthy menstrual cycle uh, stress can be one of the number one drivers of, uh, or distress can be one of the number one drivers of sexual hormone dysfunction. And what happens is when we're connecting the pituitary, which is again, kind of this primary regulatory 
gland in the brain on its influence on ovarian sex hormone production. Um, if the pituitary is super distracted making ACTH or the stimulating hormone for the adrenals, we'll often see imbalance in our FSH and LH ratio. And we can often see individuals go anovulatory where their body basically skips ovulation altogether because it doesn't feel safe. It's so stressed in that fight or flight mode of survival that it straight ahead skips ovulation because it says like this body is not made to hold a baby at this time. We need to survive whatever assault is going on out in the crazy world. Totally. Um, and I'm thinking back, what what podcast episode is it that we, the amenorrhea one? Um, Probably. I think we cover this pretty mm-hmm. in depth as well and some solutions there. Um, amenorrhea would be you're not having a cycle yeah. at all. And so what Allie's saying is that you can have a bleed without having ovulation. ovulation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I would say an, an ovulatory hormone cycling is even more common and overlooked, you mm-hmm. know, because amenorrhea, totally. you're going to know like, oh, I, I lost my cycle or it's been 45 days. I haven't had a, a period and I'm not pregnant what's going on well stress skipped that whole menstrual cycle but more um, sensitive Mm -hmm. as a biomarker would be your ovulation so something important to note and track and if we're looking at benefits or um, food as medicine and supplement support to aid in ovulation I would really push with vitamin C Uh, we've talked about I feel like now so many times that connection of vitamin C supplementation increasing progesterone levels And um, progesterone is definitely a player of healthy hormone balance. Um, We know that citrus, oranges, lemons, grapefruits, zest, and their bioflavonoids would be great things to encourage as well as berries. Um, And we do know that vitamin C can help to not just regulate progesterone, but it can stabilize ovulation and it actually can encourage the release of an egg. So it kind of coaxes that egg out there if you weren't releasing the egg or you weren't ovulating. And then um, the Bio-C Plus would be really important as a supplement tool. And I'm really putting any woman in their mid-30s onward, especially with goals of fertility also on the Bio-C Plus at least at two Two to three a day. day. Um, And I'm seeing huge outcomes when I'm measuring their progesterone levels. Um, You know, research shows upwards of 77% increase with 1.2 grams or greater Um, and so you're getting that in just two capsules of our bio c plus or actually i think that research study was on 700 milligrams or something like that 700 or 750 i want to say yeah 750 milligrams 77 percent yeah and so you're getting 1.2 grams in our um, two capsules so you're almost getting that dosage in one capsule Two is what I recommend. Um, And then I would also say during this time, beyond focusing on vitamin C and focusing on the citrus and the vitamin C-rich foods, this is the time to enjoy the oxytocin and go for the sexin, you know. So even if you don't have plans for um, future children and you want to bring in a goalie like a condom or whatever you're doing in your household as your choice, this is a time where you will naturally feel, though, the sexiest. You will have likely your best orgasm. You will likely have your most enhanced sexual performance because the body's just wired that way. Yeah. So when you're ovulating, your body wants the sperm in it. And so, you know, that's kind of one of those like natural things to tap into, a good time to connect intimacy with your spouse. Yes, totally. And great time to like wear a new sexy outfit and have a date night planned or something like that. Too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. So when that tiny window of ovulation closes, we're going to go into the longest phase of our cycle, which is the luteal phase. 
let's talk about what happens there. Yeah, and the luteal phase can often be a phase of drama for many. Um, So in the luteal phase, this is right post-ovulation, we're going to start to see progesterone climb. And progesterone is known as a calming hormone or an anxiolytic compound, as I talk about in the anti-anxiety diet. So as progesterone goes up, it could support healthier sleep patterns. Um, It can also support good cognition, um, you know, a great way for um, new tasks or new skills or challenges in mental space. Um, This is also a time where your progesterone is going to support uh, mood if high enough. So the problem is, is that in people that have suppressed progesterone, um, they will often feel more significant mood dips. Um, This is a time that they could feel more depression or more anxiety. And this is where we can see that PMS or PMDD, if that individual has suppressed progesterone levels or imbalanced metabolites of progesterone. Um, And so this can be seen with anxiety. It can be seen with irritability or bite. Um, And then we can see some of those physiological impacts like breast tenderness, especially towards that tail end as the estrogen picks up as well. Um, We can see bloating. We can see fluid retention, especially in women that don't have ample progesterone. And then this is a time when we would see more carbohydrate cravings, maybe leaning into some of those more comfort foods like stews. And you are most uh, metabolically active during this time. And so we look at that luteal phase, especially towards the tail end of that luteal phase, of when we have an additional 250 or so of calories that we're burning. So remember in that follicular stage, you're burning the least amount of calories. So that's the time that you might wanna do more fasting. Towards the tail end of that cycle, you might find yourself some grace to add in maybe a nutrient-dense snack like my Coco Chia Bliss Balls, or this is a great time for like avocado mousse, excuse me, avocado chocolate mousse with strawberries. Um, And this would be a great little add-on to your general calorie intake, knowing that you're burning more, giving yourself that grace, and um, knowing that that's a natural inclination to have a little bit more bitiness, a little bit more appetite, um, that could be absolutely a reasonable option to lean into. Yes. Um, And not to say you're going to be feeling your worst like this entire, like it's a full two weeks pretty much, you know, from Mm -hmm. that time you ovulate um, or, you know, 13 days could be. Yeah. Um, But it's usually that tail end where it like really picks up with the hunger and like, it can be 16 plus days. Absolutely. So definitely over two weeks at most. Um, And, you know, I would also mention that when we're in this phase, that tail tail end is usually when the hunger goes up. Mm -hmm. It's really funny. I know personally that I will like be like, eating Stella's leftovers yep. <laughs> or yep. like, you know, gre- grabbing that extra piece of gluten-free pizza or I always for some reason want gluten-free pizza on the 26th <laughs> of yep. my, you know, day of my menstrual sure. cycle. Um, and it's a pretty natural, organic uh, desire. Totally. Um, so yeah, going for that snack and then um, probiotics would be a good thing to boost during this time. So there are pH changes that occur right around luteal phase and especially going into your cycle. Um, this is often where women will see more like UTIs or yeast infection mm-hmm. flares um, coming out just prior to cycle. Um, so boosting with you know probiotic rich foods, I think really important here like kombucha or sauerkraut incorporating that into your 
your snacks. Yeah, um, and especially, I was going to say, sorry, if um, you deal with bowel changes towards the end of the cycle, bumping up your probiotics can help there. And then we think of that like probiotics as nature's Prozac. So if you're someone that has a mood change that's unfavorable, getting yourself that extra punch of probiotics from like I think sipping on kombucha is lovely option Um, or if you're doing dairy and you're not seeing estrogen dominance Greek yogurt could be really fabulous this is where I'd bring in our women's flora probiotic and probably if you have dealt with yeast infections or BV and drama that occurs on the tail end of your menstrual cycle doing a couple vaginal inserts prior to your menstrual cycle Mm -hmm. would also be something to strongly consider with our women's flora probiotic capsule totally Okay, and then um, we also want to focus on regulating that surge in estrogen, especially if we are someone who tends toward like the, you know, extreme PMS side of things. Um, We tend to have a lot more cramping with our cycle um, or we have other signs or symptoms of estrogen dominance, breast tenderness for one. Absolutely. So I think of that, the fibrocystic breasts Mm -hmm. where they're um, really tender to touch and kind of knotty and and textured, if you will, especially as you get to that tail end. Uh, I mentioned cruciferous veg, so broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, all these would be fabulous to bring in during that luteal phase. Uh, Maybe roasting your cabbage on a sheet pan, um, rotated with a slaw would be fabulous. Flax would be really great because flax actually aids in how you metabolize estrogen and it's going to increase more of the antagonist form of estrogen so that there's less um, estrogen receptor activity. And this would be great in like the Dr. Flacker flax crackers. In this case scenario, you actually want more of the lignans, which is going to be in the whole seed as opposed to um, them pre-blended or uh, broken down or like a flax meal. Um, so flax would be fabulous and then supplement support Brocco detox um, is a great place to start and that would be starting out like day 21 and you would take that for like a whole week leading into that last week of luteal leading into the start of the menstrual cycle and that might be something that you take one daily but then you take two Brocco detox from day 20 onward and then um, another thing that we'll use with individuals that have quite significant buildup of fluid breast tenderness or maybe a surge of acne um, is where we'll bring in our Reset, Restore, Renew Detox packs for these individuals, kind of like we do with more of the pain management approach. So the detox packs I might not bring in all the way as early as day 20. I bring those in more like day 25 or 26. Kind of that three-day prior to your period is a really good focus time where you could take a pack at rise and at bed and just help your body to clear that excess circulating hormone surge. Okay, so that covers the four phases in a nutshell, sort of, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to do some quick rapid fires now. Um, so I'm just going to ask you like a whole bunch of questions and you just fire back at me. And as I best might, I can. I might add something in if I've got it. Great. Um, all right, first one. I'm super high stress and I lost my cycle. What do I do? Yeah, so again, this connects to that HPA axis dysfunction where the hypothalamus and the pituitary are stimulating the adrenals in your autonomic nervous system and you're in that sympathetic fight or flight response instead of that parasympathetic regulatory 
mechanism. And parasympathetic, which is also known as that rest and digest mode, is where we'll have optimal metabolic health, optimal sleep and waking cycles, so energy as well as um, healthy sleep patterns. We'll have good body temperature regulation and we'll see best ability to maintain healthy body weight. And then we'll see also in that regulatory mode, healthy menstrual cycle flow. Um, And this pattern of flow of good balance within that follicular stimulating hormone and that luteinizing hormone. So stress can create dysfunction in that HPA access. And one thing that we'd want to for sure do is focus on kind of harnessing that access and calm and clear would be my number one supplement of support there. Calm and Clear is that blend of uh, B vitamins and their active forms of B vitamins. We make sure that this formula is actually free of folate um, because some individuals with too high of folate um, will have more anxiety and more fight or flight response. So this does have methylated B12 and then a suite of other activated B vitamins. It also is going to have nervines or calming herbs and then it has ashwagandha as a um, adaptogenic compound to help with stress-induced fatigue and resilience to stress. There is L-theanine in our Calm and Clear, which helps to bring your brain chemistry back to an alpha brainwave, which is what we see during meditation or concentration and creativity without agitation and anxiety. Um, And then we also even see phosphatidylserine, which harnesses your cortisol levels. So for this individual, I would bring that Calm and Clear at six to eight per day. So it could be like a two-two-two or a two-three-three, um, kind of distributed throughout the day. Calm and Clear can be taken with or without food and should have a measurable, appreciable shift in how your nervous system feels and how your mood is. And literally is trying to, like a weighted blanket, help your body to feel safe so it can get back into that parasympathetic regulatory mode and the body can start to actually ovulate and menstruate again. Um, And so that would be the biggest supplement intervention, I would say for sure. I would also layer in adaptogen boost because adaptogen boost has been shown in research to actually support ovulation and to aid in regulating women's menstrual cycles. And that's attributed from that rhodiola ingredient in there, which is quite a potent punch along with our ginseng and cordyceps. So adaptogen boost is going to tonify that stress response, whereas Calm and Clear helps to regulate that. And then I would say the relax and regulate would be the third thing I'd layer on on a supplement world for this individual because we've also seen myo-inositol supporting healthy ovulation. And then we'd have to apply some lifestyle elements as well. You can't out-supplement lifestyle. So we'd want to practice getting your circadian rhythm harnessed and on track by getting outside in natural light, ideally within the first 30 minutes of rise, keeping blue light out for at least two hours before going to bed, focusing on prayer or gratitude or meditation as ways to really harness the wild stallion in the brain. Um, And then we would look at also making sure that this individual is regulating their exercise so they're not doing too much hit, they're not doing too much high stress physiological output. They're kind of allowing their body to feel safe with their exercise. So like yoga or Pilates or walking and same with diet. We would probably maybe liberate their carbs like in our keto classes would be someone we would take to a phase 1.5 from a tight phase one. 
Totally. Um, so thinking about like what other stressors am I putting on right now? And what can I take off? Because my body is exhibiting, you know, the ultimate sign of stress is, yes, is the, loss of cycle. The really. canary in the coal mine yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that amenorrhea episode that I mentioned uh, a little bit back would be a good one to go ahead and listen to just for some deeper dive interventions. Okay. Okay. Was that rapid fire? I don't know. I think so. I only have five. It doesn't have to be rapid. All right. Fine. Actually, not even an hour podcast yet. We're doing great. Look at us go. Um, When is the best time during my cycle to do a 10-day detox? So I kind of alluded to this, but this is when I would jump in during the follicular phase. Um, You know, some of you will have a follicular follicular phase that is really only like six days in length. Um, You can absolutely feel great still detoxing through ovulation and that early part of your luteal phase. So, you know, starting that at like day six of your cycle and taking that into day 16, which would carry into that early part of luteal would be totally reasonable. But I wouldn't start a 10-day detox like on day 13 or 14, Mm -hmm. like post-ovulation and try to white knuckle it into that end of the luteal phase, which is when you're going to have more hunger and maybe have a little bit less discipline. Um, I would say you might even start though your 10-day detox even earlier, like during day three of your menstrual cycle, because once you kind of get through those first 48 hours of your active bleed, you should start to see energy levels come back up, pain going down, and that could be a great time to jump in, especially if you know that you're someone susceptible excuse me, to PMDD or more of that luteal phase hormone drama, and you want to be done with your detox you know, before you hit day 16 and onward. Totally. And some people swear by it as um, detox miracle babies have been <laughs> conceived yeah. during this this time once they've you know done that detox, the next ovulation. Um, I have an IUD. How do I naturally support my cycle? Yeah. And so some women that have IUDs will still have some form of like cycle mimicry, some form of monthly ovarian action or cramping to some level, and even some level of discharge or output. And then some women will have absolutely nothing, not a hint, not a sign. Um, And so I would say, you know, if you have no feedback from your body, I would follow the cycles of the moon. Um, And I would also connect, you know, the no feedback from the body of of how that does silence. We kind of connected that in that birth control updates episode. Um, Not only am I concerned with an IUD as having inflammatory impact in the uterus, um, also the marina that has the progestin is giving synthetic progesterone and that can throw off progesterone metabolism and further suppress progesterone levels, uh, which can create more fluid retention, more anxiety, more bloating etc. Um, so not a huge fan of, of IUD in general, but if you have one, you might consider following just a monthly cyclical flow approach. Um, you might follow the moon where you consider a full moon as ovulation and a new moon as menstrual cycle. And these would be ways to just kind of get that regular cyclical feedback in your body. Um, and then just really working to kind of tune in and feel within the body if you're noticing any surges or changes, but we are suppressing that process by prohibiting ovulation. Yep. And so the answer would be the same, I guess, for birth control too, like try to follow that cycle, but also maybe consider um, a more natural option of of cycle tracking. Yep. Uh, And I see one out there also as a question on um, postmenopausal or menopausal. And so it'd be similar as well. You know, um, if you're menopausal, you know, we're not trying to get your cycle back on track, right? Um, I would probably follow more of like how Dr. Anna Kabeca, we had that episode menopause 
Um, we'll link that also in the show notes where it's just cycling your diet strategically, right? So it could sure. be like weeks one through four and you just kind of do it ad lib. Um, whereas if you're in more of the hormonal birth control IUD population, you might want to re-harness that menstrual cycle. All right. Let's see. Um, how does all of this connect to carb cycling with keto and women's hormones? Yeah. So um, back when we talked about carb cycling, goodness, year, three years ago, four years ago, who knows now? I think it was like in the episode before we hit 100. Um, you know, we were looking at the fluctuations of hormone and when it made most sense to support leptin levels. So leptin is a hormone that um, can maintain satiety. Um, and can, it also translates to the word thin in the Greek language, and so it can support healthy metabolism. But leptin crosses the blood-brain barrier and docks to the hypothalamus, and that's that H of that HPA axis. And leptin is also a hormone that regulates safety and supports this parasympathetic balance in the body. So for individuals that are low carb and have lower insulin levels, um, we suggest doing carb cycling post-ovulation and often in that earlier midpoint of the luteal phase. So we generally will say like days 19 and 20, um, give or take of a 28-day cycling woman. Um, and then insulin demands are going to fluctuate throughout our cycles. It's important to note this as well, uh, meaning that insulin demands go up when natural blood sugar cascades go up as well. And so natural blood sugar cascades would go up during ovulation and then just prior to your cycle. Um, that's the time that actually leptin levels will naturally be the highest, as will often insulin levels. And so what we're trying to do in that middle between those two phases at that day 19 or 20, um, it, that's when the leptin levels decline. So we're trying to get a little bit of a blip up for individuals that would run otherwise chronically low insulin and chronically low leptin, if Got that it. makes sense. Yeah, totally. And and we'll link our episodes on carb cycling because there's much more, much yeah. more in there. All right. Um, I want to do heavy lifting. When is the best time to do this in my cycle? Yeah. So that would be really pulling in that follicular phase when that testosterone level is up as well. Um, and so around anywhere, and it could be towards the tail end of menstruating. So anywhere from like day four through day 12 of your menstrual cycle would be the best time to do that more intensive exercise. What are supplement priorities to regulate hormones? I kind of feel like I'd go right back into what I suggested for that high stress individual that sure. lost their cycle. So um, I would maybe not jump right into that calm and clear if the individual is still menstruating and um, doesn't perceive high stress, but definitely the adaptogen boost and the relax and regulate are two that we really bring in to support healthy hormone regulation. I would definitely say that BioC plus that I've alluded to for that progesterone level and then the Brocco detox if we feel like we have any indicacies of estrogen dominance. Okay. And let's do one or two more. Are there any foods that can interfere with my hormone balance? So definitely there are, um, we know processed foods and any foods that are going to create in a high carbohydrate, refined sugar, spike of insulin, spikes of insulin can interfere with sex hormone balance. And that's where we'll often see like PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome being like also a type three diabetes, if you will. Um, and so watching those refined carbohydrates and excessive sugars is a big thing to do. Um, we also want to watch inflammatory foods, processed foods, um, industrialized uh, frying oils, etc., because these are going to interfere with our hormone production, um, as well as even our cell membranes, which are bilipid. 
And then there are foods specifically that can impact estrogen, and this would be your soy and your dairy. So for some individuals, actually, I'll recommend getting more full-fat Greek yogurt if they are in their mid or late 30s and their estradiol levels are kind of declining and they're not seeing any of that estrogen dominance, then I'm going to want them to maybe start drinking raw milk or to get some of that estrogenic impact so we don't have to rely on bioidentical estrogen right off the bat. Um, Then on the other hand, if there's individuals with belly fat and the breast tenderness, we're going to want them to go dairy-free. Sure. All right. And then um, bringing in foods to aid in hormone balance, I think equally important to, you know, removal. Um, So we talked about flax seed and then cruciferous vegetables would be like the two big recommendations there. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Big picture. If my cycle is off, how do I get it back on track? So I think the first thing we need to do is define what off is and look at patterns and trends within yourself, right? So for some people, it will be absolutely natural and normal to have a menstrual cycle that is a full 25 days in length. And for others, it will be a full 32 days in length. Kind of anywhere within that window can still be an ovulatory healthy cycle. Um, And then, you know, we kind of lean into that middle ground of 28 days as the quote unquote standard. So I would say tracking is really important and looking at the differences in your cycle length and how that corresponds to the month you had, Um, you know, was it, did you move? Did you do take on a new task or a new job at work? Um, You know, maybe you had a breakthrough bleed and had a 17 day cycle after you just had a 45 day cycle. Well, your body clearly is having imbalance in that HPA axis and it's having um, feedback of that stress interfering with that sex hormone balance. So I think one of the most important things that we've connected here is really focusing on getting back into that feeling of safe and nourishment in the body so that we can be in that parasympathetic space. And that's often where that kind of less is more, let the body find its rhythm and lean into nature and the natural cyclical elements of nature, like again, natural lighting, um, connecting and grounding for electron balance in the body would be something to consider. Um, Getting away from technology and 5G, sitting under the stars. Um, These would be really great ways for your body to find that natural ocean and gravitational pull, if you will, of our environment to help to kind of hone in and harness our cycle. Okay. I think we've, I think we've done it. Yeah. So hopefully y'all enjoyed today's episode on eating for your cycle. Hopefully you feel a little bit more enlightened on what's going on monthly beyond just your visiting, you know, aunt flow and how you can support your body to really know when to level up, when to mellow out, tools and tricks to feel the best you can in your system and make your menstrual cycle something that you welcome with open arms instead of something that we dread monthly. If you enjoyed today's episode, definitely go on over and leave us a five-star review from wherever you're listening. That could be iTunes or Google Play or Spotify. Um, And let us know a sentence or two about what you're loving about the Naturally Nourished podcast. And then uh, you can always check out links that we discuss in our show notes and check out tickets to the Wimberly Wellness event, as well as the supplements that we've suggested over at AllieMillerRD.com. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.